0: Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. My name is Andrew Lewinsky and I am joined this week with Jonathan Lee. Hello everyone. Chris Apple. Hello. And Zachary Binks.
1: Hi everyone.
0: (laughs) Alright, so I want to apologize first if my audio sounds a bit echoey. I just moved into a new place and I'm still setting up my studio, so bear with it for this episode. Hopefully I have it all resolved when we record next, or I'm on the show next. Uh, but we got some quick news that we do want to go through. First, we would like to shout out to Dan Mercer for winning our Liberty Squad Vassal League Season One with Iman Azamian.
2: He flew yeah, this entire
0: yeah. He flew this entire list the entire time, didn't he?
2: Yeah, all three games, and like very few of them were close. Like he he was destroying people with this. Right. It was good to see.
0: I wanna fly against that. I should have been like, yo, I need to fly this three 0s so Let's go.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, he was running a Boba Crew, though, and just surprising people with the prox mines early. Um, it was pretty good. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, we had, we concluded season one. It was like our inaugural season. It was just 10 players, but it was a lot of fun. It was interesting getting people into the game. I know some people were talking about um, just today at Showcase, people were are talking about getting on I, you on know, season two is right, probably going to be right around the corner, and I so think we should probably open it up to everyone that listens.
2: Yeah, and I, I think I'll probably post the, the sign-ups for that sometime this week. And then we'll, we'll take a little bit of a different structure for the next season of it. But it's really it's really intended just so people can practice their lists with people they know, right, in a somewhat structured environment. I So it worked really well for that. Like, it's already the folks who participated in the first season, some of them are already just having pick up games of Vassal on the side, separate from, you know, the season, which is which really good to see. Right. Um, it just encourages more folks in the local community to kind of practice in an intentional way, which is what I was hoping would come from it. So hopefully we get some more people to, to join up with the second season and then see where it goes.
0: All right. Next we want to t- uh, shout out to Tristan, Ke- uh, Ted, and Kevin and Steve for representing Liberty Squadron at Crate Cup. Dude, you guys are troopers. Tristan and Ted went off to Toronto last week and then they drove down to North Carolina this week. That's crazy. Yeah, and they're driving back in the snow now. Yeah, good luck. Don't
1: die. I feel like that's a trend at this point
0: for them, right? They were it, driving in the snow last time.
2: Yeah, they were keeping us updated though throughout the weekend. It sounded like they had a lot of fun. Uh, they posted a couple pictures. I think their first round was against Paul Heaver's team. Right. So I, you know, it's a really neat format. The way that that was set up, just kind of the team structure. Uh, we we ended up with kind of Steve was was an extra uh, kind of team member that joined late. But uh yeah, I'm just really happy that, that they were able to get there. It sounded like they had a ton of fun. Uh so we got the top fifty invitational. It
0: was Phil Booth.
2: Uh yeah, I think so. And he won with uh Super Kylo quick draw and null.
3: Interesting. Quick draw wins something. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah. Phil Booth also <laughs> did he, he won Phoenix, right? We should uh, double actually, check yeah, we let's check I don't know if this cool.
2: is Phil Booth, but yeah. But e- either way, um I, I caught the final game. I, I wasn't paying attention too much, but interesting to see see a super Kylo list kind of still getting it done. Right, twenty four points. I it, it isn't that expensive for Kylo and Luke specifically. It really isn't. I surprised to see you know it done without prime thrusters. I think he was running pattern analyzer yeah. instead of uh, prime thrusters on on Kylo there. So that's even more impressive because it means he actually really had to think about what he was doing with this dial occasionally. I'm trying to Um, uh,
0: double check, but I don't see anything on their page. Oh, well. All right. So team tournaments. What are we talking
2: here? Good. Sure. So I I just wanted to mention a couple things. I was watching a few of the games throughout the weekend. I'm sure they're going to post some of the results soon. But a couple things stood out, right? There were A-wings absolutely everywhere which I think we need to talk about briefly. Uh, and then the team that eventually won, a couple times Zach Matthews was on stream with Han and two U-Wings. Uh, those two U-Wings had rigged cargo chute, and uh, Han was running uh, inertial dampeners. So it was, it was interesting to see him fly, and I, I think folks should look those games up on Gold Squadrons uh, uh, YouTube just to, just to kind of watch how he was approaching that list but the, the rig cargo shoots came in big in one or two of the games. And, uh, you know, those, those U-Wings were just the partisan renegades that we were talking about in the previous episodes. And then uh, Resistance A-Wings. Yeah, so I, the, the only thing to mention here is that now that uh, there have been a couple of smaller changes to the meta, I, I expect the Resistance A-Wings to be absolutely everywhere, right? They already showed really well in Toronto. These things are... Or I think at this point, I think I can say somewhat confidently that they're they're somewhat significantly undercosted. Uh, if you look at the comparison points to like a Rebel A-wing at 30 points for a Phoenix versus the I-1 for the Resistance A-wing being 32, it's absolutely not a two point difference. Uh, so you know, I won't I won't go on too long of a tangent on kind of my opinions on Rear Arc Boost in general, but I will say that it's definitely undercosted, and if people are looking to You know do well in hyperspace over the next couple of months we don't really know what what all of the prequel kind of factions are going to do to the meta overall but unless there's a near-term cost change to these resistant nightwings they're a great place to start
0: right i think i literally just saw that someone won a regional or hyperspace trial out in utah with five of these things
2: yeah, and like people are celebrating it like it's some kind of impressive accomplishment. I, I think it is for anyone to win a regional or whatever that is impressive, right? Like I don't want to take anything away, but I, I do think it's worth recognizing that it's not—it's not particularly difficult to turn away and sustain damage for two turns before you have to, to too hard turn to come back around, right? Like these things are are really well equipped to plink damage. Where they fail is where, where folks are not using them in an attempt to plink damage away and, you know, play that runaway boost turret MOV game. If you do the opposite of that, then you get smoked, right? Because <laughs> um, they do die. You can destroy them pretty quickly.
0: All right. Uh, let's go into what we're flying. Who's, Jonathan, what have you been flying?
3: Uh, I've been flying same as last time. I've been flying mostly three uh, Blue Squadron Escort X-Wings with two uh, Grey Squadron Y-Wings, both with Ion Cannon Turret and um, Seismic Charges. And I think it's a pretty good list unless your opponent is at I-3, where (laughs) it could be a little (laughs) bit more challenging. Uh, But I flew it a lot in the Vassal League, and I've been flying in our local Vassal League, and I've been flying it in the... uh, the big the main the big vassal league run by um uh muon uh not muon, uh, by anti-great-best and muon um but I, I i like it and i like the control element that the seismics bring i wish the y-wings moved a little bit faster but uh you know it's a lot of health to chew through and it's in my wheelhouse
2: hey so besides i3 right wh- what are you feeling like that that matches up poorly against recently <laughs>
3: So in uh, my last, so I'm like I said, I was flying in the the big vassal league, uh, and I my last game it was actually a pretty tight game, but I was flying against a Ray, Po Lulo List, and they on the first round of combat he was able to take off one of my ships, and so I was behind the eight ball really close to the beginning. So anything that can take off one of your ships, initiative, kill one of your ships at the beginning, I think is pretty can be hard. Um,
2: which just to pause there like that that's a specific set of things right because you need to do five whole damage right or five HP damage on two green dice worth and that or, that's not, not everything can do that up front in an alpha
3: yeah so he was able to he had a proton torpedo on Poe so he punched you know, maybe two or three damage for that double modded two or three damage then Ray and then Lulo and was able yeah. to take off one of the X-Wings um okay. So that was challenging. Um, what else would I not want to face? Bombs, probably. Yeah, or... Um, or I
2: guess you don't really care about bombs or so much HP. Just.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think it. I feel confident... I usually I feel like it can line up to joust most other things in hyperspace. Uh, I like the seismics because then it can sort of threaten Fang Fighters, uh, Thai Fighters, you know, uh, Thai Strikers, mining guild ties, escape craft—you know things that don't want to take just one or two damage. Yeah, so I—I I mean, I think it. I think it's, yeah. Other than being initiative killed, I think uh, that—that's the that's the main problem for me.
2: My favorite matchup against that so far has been like any striker above initiative one.
3: Uh, that
2: becomes a really interesting game because the whole rebel swarm is K-turning freely. And then the strikers are trying. You know, they're all they're all supernatural aces at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, which has been—it's it's not necessarily easy, but it's still. You know, it's certainly easier than five striker Wampa versus versus that. Uh, Zach, do you want to go into what you've been flying?
1: Oh uh, yeah. So after last week's conversation about aces, I've been—it's always been a personal goal of mine to figure out how to fly. Um, Fen Rao actually, well. As the only like, I-6 ace for scum. So I've been trying to fly him a decent bit. And the list I kind of was to toying around with for most of the week was. Fen with Fearless. Uh, Captain Siever with Juke. The Mining Guild Die. And then two of the generic Skurg Bombers. With turrets. Uh, dorsal turrets on them. Just to put 20 hit points of beef down next to him and see how that does um it was interesting it was fun not sure that i'd stick with it but it it was it was interesting
2: you've at least done the the first rule of building a fen list correctly which is have a set of things that can go and engage while fen doesn't engage in case you screwed up
1: (laughs) yeah that's how it was like kind of based around it's like you know get Seaver in there to you know jam something and then let the Skurgs hit it, you know, six to eight dice and hopefully kill it on top of Fen doing Fen things. Fen's there to clean up the mess. Yep.
2: Yeah, that's cool. All uh, it's—you know, That's an extended list you're describing, but you, you might consider trying um, mixing in Kasoka Frost. I, I don't know how you say that, but it frees up a lot of points. And it yeah. works yeah, been... really well against the stress meta that we have right now. Like all the A-Wings and Poe. Everything seems to be taking stress.
1: Yeah, that's the thing that I've been toying around with as well. Is like, you know, throwing her in as a backup. But maybe that's what I'll continue on with this week. I'm trying to like, I'm going to be going for like most of the month of March. I'm not bringing in my X-Wing stuff with me when I go. No. So I got to like figure out my last week of flying
0: nice. all right uh chris what variation
2: of kylo are you flying this week <laughs> uh, the same one i've been talking about for for a little while um not supernatural kylo but proton optics kylo yeah it's been working really well um and after, other than that I, i've kind of looked a little bit more at uh at resistance so I was actually testing, finally, Poe and three A-Wings, Poe and two A-Wings, and Bastion. And uh, th- those lists are so good. I, I know we had one of our little practice games before you we went to Toronto where I ran something like it, right? Yeah. Uh, but I actually put a couple more games in on Vassal with that. And man, I the, the thing that, I, that is really interesting about it is I haven't built a list above 190 points yet and don't feel like I really needed to. I don't know if that's going to stay the case you know because there's so much efficiency out there but um most of it's in that like kind of 184 to 88 range and still able to put damage out
0: cool uh so i'll go over the one thing i've been flying a lot it is tassin in the shuttle with huck's crew and then three of the ps3 sfs just with concussion missiles on them and so far it's been working pretty well for me um I know I, it's going to have some hard matchups against probably some like Alpha Strike aces or anything along that, but the tankiness of these SS is crazy, and I think people might be not for the most part underlooking concussion missiles, but they are pretty like suitable for like dropping that SF gunner down. Like if you bring them, you have three three dice attacks on them. Uh, with Hux, you're getting the double mods on all three of them in that initial joust, and it, it's kind of scary how deadly the crits are in Second Edition with this. So like, it's almost like a light proton torp because you're if you if it's hitting and they don't have shields, they're getting a crit regardless. You're basically changing one of your hits to a crit. And yeah. it's, the other thing that's kind of cool is if you do get a crit and it's something like repair this, so like direct hit, so you repair it and then the concussion missile procs because it's after the attack, you could then proc that direct hit again or that panic pilot. And it's really interesting the interaction and mechanics behind these concussion missiles that I've been seeing.
2: It's a good card. What's What's interesting is that you, it works on the target you're shooting, right? So it doesn't have to be, like, it, it's not necessarily something at range 0 to 1 next to it, right? It happens to the ship that you, you've you actually targeted as well, right?
0: Yes, yeah, so it's, it's it's any ship uh, of range 0 to 1. So, I mean, you could daisy-change some crazy things if you know you're flying against the formation. I mean, Grin and I know spreading damage out isn't the best thing to do, but at the same time, if, like, you see something damaged and, you know, one of them could be a direct hit or something real debilitating, you can, it it will hurt. And the the thing about the SS is, like, they're tanky enough with the two dice and the the six health. They're kind of hard to take off the table
2: within that initial engagement to be PS killed. Right. Like, it's, like, just like we were talking about with John, there are things that can Like, absolutely. Absolutely. But, but it's not the whole card pool. Um, Just a a kind of quick question. This includes Tabson, right? Yep. How much have you noticed people, like when I was testing Tabson originally, I spent a lot of time with it, but I've I've since dropped him because of how dominant A-wings are. How often are you seeing people just walk, you know, make it easy on Tabson to engage, right? Because it's very important playing against Tabson to sort of make it awkward. Sure. Haven't found that a lot of players do.
0: So, like, one of the things that, about like, I mean, people kind of, I think, are catching on don't attack Tavson. But, I mean, with Hux, he's kind of stressing himself anyway to give those double mods to everyone. But at the same time, it's kind of like four dice unmodded is, you know, still pretty decent. Like, he he, right. might, he might be the initial punch to try to shed those shields. And then, you know, you have all these concussion missiles coming at you.
2: And I, I mean more not, like, target priority-wise, right? Okay. Like, that's that's the easy thing, right? Which is, like, hey, if Tavson, Tavson has no mods, maybe if you don't shoot him, you won't have full mods, right? Like, that kind of thing. Right. But more, I, I like, early on, I was seeing a lot of people engaging and just just not even forcing Tavson to have to part two-turn, right? Or, or spend parts of the game not involved. Um, it's easier to do with, like, a true ace, right? Sure. But everything's flying above I three for the most part.
0: Sure. Uh, so here's one of the things that like um like so yeah, Tabson kinda wants to sit in the back as much as possible, but it's with the SFs, even though they are flying straight at your face, as soon as they pan- or you know, go past you, they're then changing their arcs to the back and shooting concussion missiles still. So it's kinda like your target target priority is Completely out with Tavson, that he can sit as far back as possible, and from what I've tried to do with a lot of my games is create this like zone in between Tavson and these uh, SFs, and it's just really interesting interaction. So,
2: right. I will. So like my context is mostly Kylo Tavson and Scorch, and sure. in, in that in that list, I play Tavson out in front, and I want Tavson to be the first thing that engages with the opponent. Right. So it's very aggressive. But it kinda makes sense if you have hucks on him, like maybe that's you and, and you have all those rear arcs with the SFs, that sort of changes. Yeah, he the kinda wants to
0: sit in the back as far as possible, like stalling as much as he can until he needs to really engage. And then even still he's just one forwarding until he needs to start turning around, and then he's just giving these SFs as much mods as they need, or even the defense that they need by
2: coordinating a
0: evade to all of them, and that's scary, because then they still got their action on top of that.
2: Right. I guess for our listeners, one thing I would just mention is, like know what Tabson should be doing in your list, depending on the listener, yes. right? Because this is not like Pal Bases. Just because it looks like a shuttle doesn't mean you have to play it like a shuttle. Um, you know, th- There's more to it. Um, t- Tabson can engage, and, and you want him to kind of bully your opponent, especially if you have like Phasma or something like sure. that. And he,
0: here's the yeah. other thing. I mean, like, the one game that, like, the player did start attacking uh, and it was kind of like, okay, well, I'm not going to Hux this turn, and now I have basically
2: triple mods. Right. Nothing since like, you have to Hux, right? Right. Like, oh, one turn you did it. Exactly. Wait, you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> right. So
0: it's like, it's like okay, thanks for the focus. Well, I had the focus from the, um, the action, and then I target locked and jammed, so good luck with your five dice fully modded now.
2: Is there room in that list to add Phasma? No, right? No, you've no got like idea. two points left over. I, I see. Okay, because like the testing that I did with Phasma, Tavson with Phasma at like sixty uh, eight points or seventy points, whatever that is, now was was so good. Um, yeah. It didn't help as much as I would like against A wings, which is again why I dropped it. <laughs> but uh, it's a good it's a good ship.
0: Definitely. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the Sith Infiltrator. Hey, well, before, oh. we,
2: before we move on, though, I have to hold you to this. I'm glad you came back around oh, on the TIE yep.
0: SF. Hold up. <laughs> I completely... What time is this? Let's edit this part. Yeah. Hey, I was always on board for the TIE It was just quick draw. Uh-huh. <laughs> was it? Uh-huh. Hey, no, I uh, right off the bat, I said that Backdraft was the shining star, and I still hold to that that backdraft should be the shining start of all these sfs
2: so before we get back to recording i think we should mention that here because i think it's like people still have their doubts about the sfs and it's it's good to say like generics and backdraft like go for it yeah
0: i mean like like i said i'm running these without the sf gunner so i'm totally not editing any of this part out but um yeah i'm not running in these with the sf gunner so it's like like, think outside the box. Like, I mean, I know a lot of people are probably like, yo, let's." Th- that's, like, the first thing you have to throw on him, and you don't. Like, two dice attacks are still pretty powerful right now, and with those concussion missiles giving three dice attacks out the back, that's something the SF gunner doesn't even do. So, take a right. look at it.
2: And if you drop the gunner, you can pick up Fanatical and Optics. And yep. Like, the tricky thing with Fanatical and Optics, right, is it feels like it's more valuable when you have three red dice. And like when you only have two, you feel like maybe you only need one of those two things. Um, sure. But like Backdraft can get all of that, and yeah, these things. I mean, like fo every tournament so far, it's shown up and done well. Like all the way back to Phoenix, right? I think a big part of that's the SF. Was it the SF
0: or was it the uh, Tripsalon?
2: No, it's like really the SF. Because oh, even yeah. Tripsalon, like like Tripsalon showed out, but we saw the SF doing well even back then. Yeah, that's true.
0: Cool. Well, talking about Trip Salon, though, we had an emergency nerf come from FFG. They basically put an article out about the Toronto system open. But the real important thing about that was Dormance is now 70 points and Hyperspace Tracker is now 10 points. Which literally, it's kind of interesting to see how FFG handled this, where they kind of were like, we're not going to even give you a reasonable point. Like, it just seems like they just kind of were like, we're just completely blasting this out of the water and we'll deal with it the next points adjustment.
2: Yeah, they dropped two bombs on this thing, right? Because like I was expecting them just to increase Dormits. And then they made Hyperspace Tracker ten points. Right. So whatever they whatever meeting they had, they were like, yeah, we know we need to make sure that this doesn't exist after we do this. So let's just hit both.
0: Right. Essentially they're just saying you can't play Tripsilon in this manner. I mean you can still bring three Epsilons, but it's like you can't bring it with this whole Dormits thing. And that's really the key thing was the interaction between Hyperspace Tracker and Dormance. So it's I wouldn't be surprised if Hyperspace Tracker gets a point reduction come the next wave adjustment or the uh, points adjustment. But I can't see it sitting at 10 points. I think they literally just wanted to be like, this is a negative play experience that we don't want for the game and we're emergency facking it.
2: Right, and it's what's interesting is, like, to your point, the tracker absolutely did doesn't need to be 10 points long-term. They'll eventually get that back to... Like, right now, the card might as well not exist, right, at that price point. Sure. Um, but it's really dormits that needed it, and if they didn't also hit tracker, you could still field this list. So it's all good. I what, What's really encouraging, too, is that they didn't just make this decision based off of a tournament result, right? Like, they're clearly paying attention and watching, but they... They just made the right call for the format, regardless. Right.
0: It, it, yeah, but it, it, like I said, I mean, back when we were all speculating, we were like, oh, they're just going to make something 199 points, and then, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's essentially kind of what they did. Like, I mean, I can't see anyone probably bringing dormants. Uh, I I mean, I shouldn't say that because, you know, maybe like a dormants and a entire SF, um, not SF, but FO tie list will show up. But... Even still, with hyperspace tracker being at ten points, like it seems like they just literally bumped it up to as many points that it's it's going to be sitting on the shelf for until the next points adjustment.
2: Right, and like one point I would make is that some people have been saying it didn't even do well, so why is this happening? Right, that's that's sort of in this case I don't think it really matters, right? Because it's the longer that like we have a long time before the next adjustment in June. I yep. we don't you know I, I would say with some confidence that over that period of time, you know, the meta would revolve around the existence of this list in ways that they, they don't I don't think that the developers really wanted it to.
1: Yeah, right? Like it was it was the boogeyman. Sure. Even though, yeah, it didn't it really show up as much as we kind of
0: Well here here's the other thing you gotta really Think about is the so this is the first weekend that hyperspace trials are starting. And like it, they kind of did it at the right time to be like, We don't want this. Oh, thing. is that right? Yeah, I think this is the very first weekend. Uh so it's kinda wow. like Yeah. Instead of like having just go into your normal store and being like, Okay, I want to fly what I want to fly, and then suddenly you're up against Trip salon just bullying things and it might be Yeah, sure, you're gonna see a lot of different things pop up, but a newer player coming into the thing, they're just going to be like, what the heck just happened to me? Like, I I think they did a right call
2: here. Right. So what, what that leads into though, and this is harder because we're about to get two new factions, right? In like the next couple weeks. weeks. Uh, but this getting dropped from the meta, I think the, the most immediate impact is you look at three ship lists a little bit more comfortably. Uh, as long as you have an answer for sort of rebel efficiency in general and an answer for, really deep in resistance lists like you can you can consider fielding that list right and it you know three ships as a as a ship count total no longer feels terrible I uh, again you know just bringing to a tournament because you don't have to worry about losing one at the start although i you know like does that bring back luke wedge and something else we just it was never gone Yeah. <laughs>
0: So, uh, but uh, at the same time, it kind of like really went against all the rules of the game. Like, it was just kind of like in your face, here it is. And like, that's probably not how the devs wanted to see X1 being played. So, uh, it's they'll probably figure it out and then go from there. Like, sure, we're going to see all these other things pop back up, but it, it's it really went against the how the game was and what happened during it. Yeah. So I, the one word of caution, though, that I would throw out there,
2: and like this may that turn out to be really wrong once the rest of the factions are released, but now that that's no longer in the meta, I think there's an opportunity to to bid as deep as possible with resistance, right? And, and that's that's something that people will start, I think, in the hyperspace season, really begin to talk about and. And worry about again, which is <laughs> how deep do I need to bid? This is ridiculous. The bid rules are all weird, right? Like, I, I'm not necessarily feeling that yet because there's plenty of answers to that by like maxing out a list of 200 with higher initiative. Um, but I do wonder if that's going to, that conversation, we had that a lot with Squad of Legend, right? Sure. wonder if that's going to creep back in now that, that the boogeyman Alpha Strike has changed.
0: Cool. All right. Well, let's move on to this sith infiltrator ffg gave us the spoiler article for the sith infiltrator we got some cool new ship uh pilots we got some new upgrades we got probe droids which i'm excited for we've got where's it at the yeah the i'm sorry the uh both the probe droids i believe there's two all difference. the crew <laughs> all the crew Whole bunch the, of stuff. one ship that they can take it uh we got like maul we got dooku we've got Chancellor Palpatine and Darth Sidious pretty interesting uh, but let's start recapping this uh, we don't have to go too deep into this if you don't want to but um
2: yeah i like it's speculation's always hard but there's a couple things i think we have to hit sure. right i uh, so the first thing is confirmation that these things actually have access to the cloak action yep it's red and you have to get it via it looks like a configuration or title that's a title rather um the scimitar so it, during setup you can take a cloak and then after that you actually have access to a red cloak action so for me that's really exciting i think uh being able to do it to basically decloak forward on a big base like this um is really serious these also have access to 5k turns i believe so i can imagine doing it to decloak forward and then 5k turning behind people <laughs> um like th- those are all sort of options that I've never personally experienced on a big base ship, right? That, that I'm happy to see confirmation that that's there.
0: It's the first big base ship that can do it without having that crazy, uh, what is it, Hondo ability. So you're actually good to see it in, with clarification on how it works.
2: Right, without having without the the, the scum thing where you can switch it. Yeah, switch the which nobody
0: actually ever did, but. <laughs> Zach, did you? Nope. Okay, Then no Never. one ever did. Never. <laughs> Zach put it on uh, a YV-666 just to
2: cloak it. Yeah. I So I will comment on this, the other one is that the the dial has got more blue than I, I was kind of expecting, so um, that's, that's helpful. And I, I, I do think that you look at that stat line with three agility rather than one, plus force charges, that becomes a really serious tank. Um, like there are they're a whole bunch of crew we'll get into here in a moment, but with the opportunity to cloak, these are not going to be easy to kill. Like this solves that one agility 10 HP problem that we were talking about a little while back. So in keeping with the cloak action, there's a couple of cards that they'd spoiled that interact with it. Um, we have the I-3 pilot, Count Dooku, who it looks like has the option, after he defends, to essentially remove the cloak token, which is kind of neat. It's dependent on your opponent actually attacking you, but um, without reading the card, that's essentially what it boils down to, right? Yep. Uh, and then you also have the another 066, I don't know, is it Order 66, <laughs> right? That's what that's supposed to be. Um, which is after you defend, you may spend one Calculate Token to perform an action. So again, your opponent would have to allow you to do this by physically attacking you, but you know, it, it does give you that chance to turn your Calculate Token into a, into a cloak. Sure. All right. so for folks who are used to phantoms like you're not getting the free evade all the time it's not that kind of train that you're trying to keep going of decloaks and recloaking and all of that but it's still accessible
0: right and then uh yeah because you get the so i'm looking at the scimitar. you get to jam or after you decloak. you may choose an enemy in your bullseye arc if you do it gains one jam token that's a lot That's of cool. information if you really think about it because you get to measure bullseye arc and
2: be like, oh, I think it's in bullseye arc and then you kind of measure it. Well, so so I maybe this will be dependent on like total ship count in the meta, right? Because it, it's hard to line up bullseye with even a median base. Like I, I ran, uh, I, I kind of like the Kimagela, right? I've always kind of enjoyed that ship, but lining up the bullseye with the median base feels more difficult, um, especially without reposition this is the kind of thing where like when it does happen it's going to be really really helpful you're not going to be planning for it to happen though right yeah in general um but who knows i mean if the the if the ship counts are high enough it might just proc more often than anyone's expecting and then it, it gives you the white jam action so you can't sleep on that i mean there's a whole bunch of other cards you're going to get to that that work with this but you know jam is really really good and um it just seems like, overall, from the spoil here, the Infiltrator has a bunch of options for being more defensive than I was anticip- anticipating. So, what, what else here? I, I think the next big thing in this article was essentially to spoil a Palpatine Insidious, the double-sided card. Uh, which, like, it's sort of funny watching everyone's reaction to this article, because all of the small base articles came out, and everyone's like, eh, Separatist looks like it's not for me. It's all too low initiative. It looks bad, right? this article drops and we get a bunch of seemingly possibly broken crew and everyone's excited all of a sudden which i find kind of funny but palpatine is crazy like it's it's essentially if you add hate to this you can dish out stress to your entire opponents list it feels like so i, I don't like this is this seems really really good and not like it's going to feel very fun to play against
0: So if you're listening and don't have the card, it says after you defend, if the attacker is in range 0-2, to you may spend one force token if you do the attacker gains one stress token.
2: Right. So you throw hate on Maul, right? And then they shoot Maul with all of their ships and all of their ships get stressed. Sure. Like, you're never going to flip this. Like, the first thing I'll probably see is someone flipping Palpatine as a Separatist player, but why? Like, don't do that. I, I don't know. It's... uh. I mean, the, the other side of it, the Darth Sidious side, is more, like, coordinate-focused, right? Which seems cool. Um, probably really helpful for the Republic.
0: So, yeah, I'm just, like, wrapping my head around the Palpatine that, yeah, you could essentially just... I mean, granted, you have to take the damage to do it, but it's going to be that you're dishing out stress to anything that's
2: shooting at you, and that's... Well, it's after you defend. You may not take damage at all, right? Like, sure, but I'm <laughs> saying to get the uh, the Force Charges back... Yeah, true. Um, It's it's just everything about this is uh, it it has shades of Sloan in it. Yep,
1: it has shades of it. But I think like having played some hate things in the past, mostly hate Kylo. Like I don't think it'll be quite as bad as I'm as I originally came down on it because I was with you, Chris. Originally, I I think it's gonna be annoying, but. If you blow all of your charges to stress people one round, you're probably not going to have that many charges the next round to stress people again.
2: Yeah, I get it. And, like, I I don't necessarily feel like this is going to... It's hard to say where this will land in terms of overall power level, right? Because it may turn out that you can't even take an I-5 Infiltrator or, you know, even Dooku, right? Because they tend to price Force charges a little bit higher early on and then reduce them later, it seems like. Um I, my my kind of rant about this one is more about like just how this feels for an opponent, right? Um, yeah. I'm definitely going to use it, like no questions asked. I'm going to put this in if it's cheap enough cuz it's it's mechanically good enough. Um but it but it just this just seems like real feels bad, man. Yeah.
1: Until it kills Mace Window and then it'll feel so perfectly right. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, I,
2: it, w- w- at, at minimum, both of these things are kind of thematic, right? Because Palpatine is just kind of a jerk and whatever, right? Like, okay, that's that's what he does. Um, the, the, it also gives a purple coordinate, right? So we know that's a pretty good thing. But any any thoughts on the Darth Sidious side of
1: things? It's Yeah, like you said, it's, it's shockingly good for Jedi.
2: Right.
3: It's, uh, I mean, like thematically Hmm. it's strange that like Chancellor Palpatine, he feels better for the Separatists like protecting a high value force user like Darth Maul and Darth Sidious feels more like a supportability that would be great at like buffing Jedi and such and it's just I feel like they should like thematically like switch the (laughs) switch the names but
2: yeah I don't know
1: um thematically he's you know playing both sides right yeah, so,
3: they, they nailed that
2: part of it. But so for the separatists, you can toss something a focus token, right? So we saw barrage rockets in one of the kits, but it's only one ship that you can do this for it.
0: Yeah. So, so. what are we? Th- are right, So you can equip this stuff for your republic or separatist. What are we throwing this on for the se- or republic? Because we you throw it on Maul for the separatist. But... The ark. The ark okay. probably. Yeah. Yeah, but then I, I guess it doesn't have that hate interaction. Which, oh well.
2: But, but you don't need it, right? Like so. So the the Rebel captive Palpatine card, like the hate interaction, seems just on paper potentially good, right? I don't even know that you need hate for it to be still useful. Um, the Sidious one, though, is totally different, right? In that case, you just want to coordinate, right? Like it's it's yeah. good on its own because it, it, it it's it, like everyone likes Psy, right? Does anyone hate Psy? No. Um, this kind of has shades of that because it gives you a coordinate, and then on top of that, an extra action.
1: I mean, yeah, think of, like, Sidious on an arc, pick your flavor of Jedi with battle meditation, and a couple of torrents. Like, that, theoretically, might all fit in one list, and then this gets stupid.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, like, just reading it, right? After you perform a purple uh, purple, uh, coordinate action, the ship you coordinated gains one stress token, and then it gains one focus token. Or recovers a force. So... Like, do you want the thing you coordinated to have focus lock? Probably. Who doesn't? Yeah. Earth mean, this on is, Torps up, up, up? Yeah, it's just like the Republic fans should be sort of, sort of pumped about this portion of the article. Um, but you know, I'm just really curious to see how people react to playing against Palpatine. Um, and there's enough Force users in the in the meta that maybe stress doesn't matter as much. So I'm probably overemphasizing this. Like. Big deal, you got stressed, like you're still shooting modded shots. Um, if we scroll back up though for a second, so I, I think uh, the next couple things, there's a Count Dooku Crew, who I don't want to spend too much time on, but essentially it's it's sort of a mix of C-3PO and 1.0 Palpatine. Um, I, I think soon some of the math on this will come out, and people sort of understand where it lands in between that. Uh but it is kind of an interesting mechanic in that you have to have all of your force charges active to essentially pick a result. If the result is enrolled then you, you
3: have to add it.
2: Um, so you, you know, you can use this on your attack dice to try and guarantee a crit. Um, you can use it on your opponent's defense dice to try and force them into a blank, but the way that it's worded sort of complicates the likelihood of all of those things happening. Um, so, so a lot of people have kind of looked at this card, and their first reaction was like, "Oh no, Palp is back." He's not, right? It's a zero to two restriction, and then on top of the zero to two restriction, there's some nuance to um, when you should or shouldn't select, you know, the particular result. Sure. But so, the artwork um, is really good, so who cares? Yeah, it is really good artwork.
0: All of it <laughs> is pretty
2: good. I think they lifted it from what uh, the other card game that they have. I think. Dead game. Dead game. That other card game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then General Grievous, uh, while you defend after the neutralized step, if there are two or more hit or crit results, and you can spend a charge to cancel one hit or crit. And there's only one charge on this, but if something gets destroyed, you get the charge back. So, I, you know, I was saying before, this this Scimitar looks like, or the the Infiltrator looks like it's going to be a little bit more tanky than we expected. Uh, this card kind of contributes to that. And, uh, this one actually does look pretty good. I mean, it's it's the opportunity to sort of add uh, more than one hole or shield back to this ship is possibly a big deal if everything nearby is also blowing up. It makes that target priority feel complicated.
3: It's also, it's interesting on Grievous, there's no range restriction on where that friendly ship is that gets destroyed.
2: Right. So, you know, I'm envisioning, I've talked about this for every time we brought up Separatists, right? But, like, now that whole situation of do you deal with Maul or do you deal with my mini swarm? Um, maybe this makes it easier for your opponent to choose, but just go after Maul. I, I don't know where this will end. Yeah. Uh, and then I I think the next couple items I wanted to talk to, we can talk about probe droids. I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on that. But K2B4, um, I think everyone felt like when they saw the vultures, it was like two agility, not that much health. How are these things going to stay alive? K two b four lets you essentially turn calculates into evade results, right? Uh, so that that feels like it's it's very good. Um, you know, your opponent can choose to take a stress to avoid it. Strain, restrain. Sorry, strain. I. Uh, but, but either way, K two b four feels like maybe what the vultures need to to be that much more defensive.
0: Yeah, and it was funny because like everyone was kind of like looking at the Kraken to be like, all right, this is obviously the show end for the um, this configure what is it called the da, da, da. tactical know. relay? Tactical relay, thank you. Um, everyone was kind of looking at the Kraken, be like, yo, this is it. This is what you put in, but this is like the tactical relay slot. It seems like it's going to be real good. Like it, it, it's like a theme for your entire swarm. But they're giving you some tough options of where to go.
2: Yeah, and I like. I don't know what will happen with people choosing to accept the strain token or not, but at minimum the zero to three on this, and just the the outrageous flexibility of being able to choose like how you use that calculate token on two agility. It. it I can't wait to test this out because it, it feels on paper um, like something that the vultures were missing. Yep. Cool. Okay, and then the only other thing that we, I wanted to get to bef- before giving some thoughts on some kind of mini-testing that I was doing was the probe droid. So this is an incredibly cool design space that I... It was in the image, but I never would have guessed this is what it would do. Right. Um, yeah. So do you want to take a crack at like explaining what this is? Because it's got a lot going on.
0: All right, so I didn't look too much into it, but hold up. Uh, so the probe droid says... Yeah, during the end phase, you may spend one charge to drop or launch one DRK1 probe droid using a speed 3 template. This card cannot be recovered. So you get to drop two of these during the game. Uh, And then it basically becomes its own ship with a 3 agility, 1 haul. And then when it's on it, it says, while a friendly ship locks an object or jams an enemy ship, it may measure range from you. After an enemy ship overlaps you, that ship rolls one attack die on a focus result, you suffer one damage. And then in the system phase, at your initiative, you may relocate using the two bank, two straight, or the two banks or two straight. Um, And this thing kind of is like a pentagon, like it it looks like it has...
2: It's multi-directional, right? Right.
0: So you can basically go two straight or two bank in any direction that you want.
2: Right. So... You know, in English, you can you can drop a token that can move pretty much any direction, just at two speed, and toss locks and jams out right sure. at at really any range from the thing that dropped it, or is it just in general anything in the game, right?
1: Right. Yeah, any front so,
2: This is like this is super helpful for a swarm, um, and and the, the just the whole concept of being able to drop two of them is something that I. Uh, I don't know how that plays out, because you can't do two in a turn, right? But you could, in the early game, just sort of, like, blink two of these out, right? And then just kind of guarantee it.
1: Drop or launch it using any Speed 3 template. So, yeah, it's like early game. You can put this out there pretty far.
2: Right. And then, like, far enough that you can guarantee to get the lock, um, you know, if they only destroy one of them. Uh, I'm really curious to see, like, how... How it plays out and people shooting at it and destroying it or flying over it right because you can just shoot at it and sure. kill it
0: one of the things that i know people are going to get wrong though is uh jam is range one it's not zero to one so if you're <laughs> on top of this thing you can't be jammed remember that
2: yeah and also if you hear anyone say that like you they, these things cause bumps and they can't be overlapped like just stop playing the game no. Yeah. It's fun. Sure,
1: Probe, them. What you're <laughs> Probe, Probe them. Probe them. I don't know about that.
0: Um, so, so, so just the design space of this, though, is really yeah. cool to see a token on the board that is not a bomb or a mine. It's like the first time we're actually seeing something, and it's interesting to see what the future would hold with this, something like this.
2: Right. I mean, So I put down, though, like, please no mobile bombs or rocks, FFG. Sure. Like, like this is cool. Like, let's see how this plays out. I'm a little worried that it allows for infinite range jam. But you can just kill it, so whatever, right? Um, And it's not infinite range because it's still zero to one of the thing. But like, I don't want to start seeing like mobile debris, (laughs) (laughs) you know? I mean,
1: I always thought you should. Opinion here.
0: I always thought you should be able to tractor beam debris or rocks. I always thought
2: that would have been super thematic. But yeah, that's because you're a scum player. Hey, well, that's true. (laughs) Uh, Have you heard of rigged cargo shoot? Because it's like that, but easier. Oh, I heard we're getting
0: something new like that.
3: <laughs> damn well,
1: it on on my counterpoint to this and on the scum side of things i would love to see a bomb that works essentially like the probe droids and like the autopilot drones love child <laughs> where it's got like oh you know one two round timer using charge tokens before it just explodes and you can move it during that hmm uh,
2: that sounds hard to balance, but as long as they don't make it thermal de- detonators, that then <laughs> then maybe
1: <laughs> because you essentially already have, you know, a bomb that moves in autopilot drones.
2: Sure. But it's how many points? 12. Yeah. Um I yeah, like overall though, it, just this conversation alone, like this is stuff we've never thought of before in Xwing. Um there's a way to do it right and it's it's a whole whole new ball game. Um, the, the one thing though is like, uh, there's the only mechanical thing that I can kind of find a parallel to in the existing card pool is Bodhi, the U-wing that essentially lets something at range one, you know, get the rest of your list to lock. Yep. Um, and that that's actually really effective at turning Rebel A-wings into something that's not completely useless, uh, because they can take the missiles. It's sort of like that list you were describing, Andrew, with with the SFs, right? right, right. Like if you have a way of getting them that lock. They, uh, they suddenly become more valuable with the ordinance uh, so i so i i i think that the probe droid will probably play into some separatist list that works out well but it's also sort of on the other side of this it's kind of interesting is we have energy shell charges we don't necessarily need target locks as, as, like as a separatist player to to throw throw a decent amount of dice you know um
0: the other thing is, is it's really going to be good for like maybe like just the low initiative like that it kind of completely changes everything that you have the problem of i'm not going to be in range of something so you got the probe droid and now my all my initiative ones and twos can now target lock because of this probe droid which is pretty interesting i mean granted it's gonna be different like it's it still has to move at a certain speed and it still has to be launched. But at the same time, it gives you that
2: option of possibly doing it. And it's still, you still have to, you know, it has to survive um, for, you know, for getting to get the full use out of it. But right. Sure. I, 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 the other thing is, does separatist as a faction, Do the separatists have access to a torpedo? Do we know that yet?
0: We do not.
2: Um. So, I, you know, that's, it's not like this is going to suddenly turn into like people getting hit by Three or four proton torps, right? Um, but that that's it's just basically the missile pool, as far as I'm aware. Sure,
0: I mean, yeah, but I mean, like, sure, you could even like, but just take it for later turns and then try to get that double modded bunch of double modded two dice attacks or something along those lines, which, yep, still hurt so. It-
2: in keeping with that, though we have, you were just talking about it before. We have Kraken, which allows us to hold on to calculate tokens. Yeah. So if you need those double mods, there's other ways to get there without investing in uh, Infiltrator. Which these Infiltrators are probably not going to be cheap. Now, like at least kidding it out the way that you want to. Um, I, I, I'm really curious to see what the price point is on them because it's it really comes down to how much you can fit next to it as to how useful all of this is. Absolutely. I. So before we move on to talking about the TIE Reaper, the only other thing I wanted to mention is that I did some initial testing of, because Vassal now has ship models and dials for basically most of the Separatist ships, and I think most of the Jedi that have been spoiled. Uh, So I I just put on the table uh, for some self-testing Maul, uh, Grievous, and then I had two uh, precise hunters with uh, energy shell charges. Now, that's probably something that I can't speak to whether or not that's going to fit. Right. But I just wanted to see how all the ships move and and start to like get a little bit of a sense of that. Um, The first thing that really stood out to me, right. Was what we were talking about with like the hard two turns being blue and not having the blue banks. I, the way that you approach and sort of set up a term where you can do the two hard feels like it's going to be really important. Uh, So that school of fish analogy, John, I think it holds up for sure. I, but it, but not having the two the two blue banks doesn't it doesn't make it impossible to set up the engage you want. It just means you're setting up more parallel and and then, at least that's my initial impression. Uh and then and then grievous. Uh, I just was looking at the other title, the Solus One title. And yep. Didn't fully realized it. He can end up with seven HP. Yep. So that's one hell on the flanker, and he, he's he's pretty angry if if he's attacking from out of arc like that's. That's something that felt pretty good in some initial testing.
0: I'm excited about, yeah, I'm excited about putting the soulless one and then impervian plating on uh, this guy the, the Bell Blob, the Bulbasaur. It, it just any of them, like, it just feels so tanky. That it feels like it's going to be awesome.
2: Yeah. And then, so they, the only other thing I'll mention here is I tested a little bit with the whatever the name of the card is that lets you park on rocks. Um, So for whatever reason, when I was kind of like head-simming this, I kind of thought of it more as like, oh, I'm going to go set up like a fortress and a trap, right? And I'll send my ships out, and then they'll go on rocks, and then I'll wait for people to come to me and rotate and whatever, right? But it's more dynamic than that. Um, As you're flying through the rocks, this lets you, if I was understanding the card correctly, it essentially lets you overlap rocks, which would otherwise be a serious problem. And then just sort of like in the middle of the engagement, kind of begin to act like a little mini ewing um and it's 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 more it's less about like I set up a whole bunch of rocks that you could just avoid and not deal with me right yeah it's it's more about hey we're engaging in the rocks and my list is better at that than yours right and I, like that's kind of there, there's like a little bit of overlap between the mining guild tie and these in that um, you can run a lot of them and it's kind of forgiving in that you're not scared of just hitting all the debris that's out there uh, it, 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 it's it's obvious, right? Like in reading the card, right? Like that should be self-evident to most people, but in actually playing it, it's a much bigger deal than I, I was anticipating.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to actually put that on the table at some point because it, the, just the way of you turning and then being able to launch off the rock, like sure, that being in the rock field would probably have a lot to do with it, but... Like, I don't know. Like, I almost feel like I'm a sitting duck on there, so maybe I do have to actually try it.
2: Yeah, well, so, like, the specific scenario that I'm talking to is I'm flying four vultures into the rocks, right? And I positioned three of them perfectly that they don't have to deal with the rock and they're going to get their Calculate token, but one of them's going to clip the rock. This lets you basically not care. Yeah. Right? Because you just, you just hit that rock and you're good. You get your Calculate token, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, Double check it. So, that, like, that that whole that whole mechanic, though... I uh, well, well the other thing that really stood out is that you can only rotate ninety degrees, right? So it's not like you can sit on the rock and then do the one eighty that like a uh, a u-wing could. Um, it's it it does you know like the, someone could fly past you and it's sort of they're they're arc you. Yeah. Um, and then final final comment on this, man. I I don't know what the number of vultures is that you need to be able to deal with Kylo. But it's more than three. <laughs> um, and, and that's, I think, I think the pricing on these and what you can mix in with it is going to be really critical because it's not just all these cards that support the vultures to make them useful. It's sort of like, can I fit Maul a threat and some vultures? Or like, can I fit three, you know, individual groups of, of, of Separatist ships that are going to, you know, threaten my opponent in some way because the vultures on their own aren't going to cut it. Okay. I'm
1: slowly coming around on separatists. <laughs> <laughs> so talking about it. <laughs> There's still zero percent chance of me buying into this faction. Oh, uh, so, like, you, start you're, there. You're going Republican. Why are you but coming I, around, Zach? Explain I'm that. starting to see like some of the point to them. I think okay. the tactical relays are where I'm starting to like actually come around on them a bit.
2: So you're in now, and you can get an evade every every turn with just taking a calculate.
1: Possibly. I'm with Andrew. I need to see this on the table before I'm a believer that they're not super underpowered, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see point costs. We'll see them on the table.
3: With just uh, with the probe droid, I was just thinking, is it so it can move in any direction? I was just thinking about how fast those vulture droids move and is it might it be hard to get that probe? To your enemy first before your your vultures are right there. It,
2: yeah, it's a good point, John. Because I that was the other thing I didn't mention it, but but it is hard to keep the vultures from engaging, you know, faster than you want to. Um, there, there's there, all two two speed maneuvers all, all the time, you know, like yeah, the hard one
3: turns. And then with the using it to say jam with a um, Sith infiltrator. I mean, like in that image that FFG posted, they show a Sith Infiltrator jamming from, uh, but it I just feel like your Sith Infiltrator, you probably want it facing your enemy, flying towards them and it might also be hard to like, what I mean is your Sith Infiltrator might be in the mix anyways, so it might be hard to get that probe droid out in front of it and if you're turning your Infiltrator away, you're not shooting with it, I don't know
2: Yeah, so that's why I was testing like Grievous Maul and two Right with energy shells because like that to me presents enough threat to your opponent that like like two things will be able to engage at minimum like oh they dodge the vultures but you still have to deal with Maul and Grievous right yeah I because like that image I, I I'm with you if if you don't have if all you're doing is engaging with you know the vultures up front attempting to trade and then relying on the probe droid to to hopefully turn that you're still, unless you're throwing some missiles or something, you're still only rolling the two two dice, right? Mm-hmm. It's got to be an entire swarm of vultures at that point.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, I don't know. I think I look more at probes of, like, spread to them across the board as far as possible, and, like, helps with your turnaround turns more than anything else, or the turns where you need to bug out. You still have, essentially, the entire board in target
2: lock range. Yeah. Yeah, it, it adds, like, a whole bunch of possibilities that I you know, it, there's so many ships that are people are gonna be fielding within every separatist list. So I wonder I wonder how much variation there's really gonna be early on, right? Well like, and that's where I start, think might be all over the place.
1: That's where I think I'm still like really on the fence about it, is just until we see some point costs, I I'm skeptical. I'm becoming less skeptical, but until I see point costs, like can you fit all these shenanigans in one
2: list? Yeah, well, and like, so what we saw, though, with uh, Resistance is they, out the gate, just kind of under a bunch of stuff, right, yeah. to, to make the faction playable, um, just to make sure of it. And and so I, I don't know if a similar thing can happen with Republic because of how many Force users are in it. It feels like the Separatist faction, they, like, I, can they take more risks with the costs on these because of how low health everything is, you know, and how inflexible it might be, I, I don't know. because because there's a couple of weird things that if it ends up fitting, it's like that's a lot of ships. Like it's going to be it's going to be more of a threat than I think people are giving it credit for.
0: Sure, absolutely, fair.
2: But on the, at the same time, I did mention it. Like a couple of vultures versus one A's, that game could just be over, right? like there's going to be those games and it's it is fun to shoot at these vultures cuz you just like you just kill a thing per turn <laughs> sometimes you know
0: yeah cool all right let's uh let's move on to our meta analysis of the tie reaper so i've had the pleasure of playing a ton of this ship within the past month it's what i brought to toronto it is probably one of the best ships in hyperspace formats imperial faction i would say um they just have a lot of tricks up their sleeves they're pretty awesome they're similar to the tie striker but at the same time they're tanky enough that they can do
2: some really neat tricks uh we have so you were running for meal right i mean we talked about that last week Um, and he's kind of like the de facto best pilot because he he's Converting results to hits—that's amazing. Uh, I, I think you know people can attempt to run vizier and Faroff, and they might have a role in some list. Uh, but Vermil is really where it's at for me. Like I, I, I still rarely am building a list without him uh, for Imperials. Like that's that's the mo- most obviously useful one, and he's at I four, which is so helpful against all the Rebel beef that's out there.
0: Yeah, that, that's exactly who I ran. I ran Vermil, and like it's interesting just like from my perspective of it like so i was running with him with vader which i think might be almost an auto include at this point for him and he basically the we can talk we'll talk about this a little bit down the list but you know with range control and his ability he sure he might only have one green agility or one green dice and health total but at the same time he's kind of taking away a lot of mods and making sure that you don't you're maximizing that HP with that agility so he might only be on the board for two or three turns of engagement but he's making sure you hurt for every moment that he's there
2: right and so like most of the rest of this discussion will be hyperspace only but Vader crew is coming to hyperspace with the decimator in June sure when that drops, Vader Crew's going on for meal, and it, it's extremely effective. Like, it's it, all of that is, is good synergy, and that's that's a much easier version of that ship to, to get value from. Um, just because of you know, the way the Vader Crew works, right? It just it enables Vermeer's pilot ability to trigger, absolutely. Um, and, but yeah, again, and it gives you a force charge when you need it, right.
0: Yeah, so it gives you the force charge. It basically triggers Vermil's ability, and then you could technically pair him up with uh, some other things. Like I mean, like so, if you are running something like Juke on this thing, he's activating Juke, and then possibly um, activating his ability ability on top of that. So it's pretty crazy that the, the amount of things that you can do with that.
2: Right. Well, so so one thing to mention here, uh, if you don't have Vader crew, let's assume you don't. Sure. But but when you're running for meal, you want to take a focus, right? In addition to shooting a target that doesn't have a token. Because you want his ability to proc, so you can turn a blank to a hit. And you want to roll an eyeball and use your focus to change that. Yeah. So it's not too dissimilar from what I've been doing with Kylo with advanced optics, right? Force charge to change the eyeball, advanced optics to change one hit. That's That's the math you want. So if you don't have Vader crew, right? Like, Juke isn't helping you as much as possibly just right. taking a focus in a lot of cases um so but although i still really like juke on on vermeil in some cases like it's it is useful for sure um particularly if like the rest of the list is shooting at i4 all these kinds of things that juke can become a crack shot pretty quickly if you roll okay right um but, but, yeah, so, like I it's it's hard with with Vermil in general, though, right? Because I think we talked about the U wing and we we're talking about what talents to put on it. I don't know that you really put a talent on on these reapers in general. Um, you can take crackshot and like a Holder or a shield upgrade. That's kind of the only time that I've taken uh, an actual talent upgrade on on one of these reapers is just crackshot.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, every time I've done with it, I, I just completely left it blank and gone for the points.
3: Like, right. I, I, I mean, don't even
2: do anything. What are you going to do? Like, take trick shot and fly right. into the rocks? Like, that's that's a dangerous place to be for Vermeil to begin with. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I think if people are looking at this, you can kind of put one point into crack shot, and then otherwise maybe leave your talent empty. Uh, unless someone finds something really cool. But I, I don't think there's enough here to justify like swarm tactics or intimidation or anything like that, unless you're chaining swarm tactics. Crew, so let's rip through these real quick because there's not that many in hyperspace, but they're all pretty good. Death troopers, tactical officer, ISP slicer, right? Krennic and informant. So death troopers is really solid. Um, I think I think you know people are starting to talk a little bit about this, but the things that that does to your opponent, um, the range that that the reaper has access to. All of it is very impactful. It feels a little bit like phasma uh, in terms of how much it can sort of impact the game, but even better, right? Because it's it's harder for ships to clear. Um, so that's that's something that you know is definitely worth using. We saw you know Will Will ran that locally a little bit, right? A couple months ago, yeah. And it was working very well. Um, it's a good card. It takes up two crew slots, but it's worth the six points, just straight up. Sure. Uh, and then tac Officer, I don't know about adding Tack Officer to these. So, like, we talked with the Ewing about wanting Tack Officer to make it easier to move. With the Reaper, it's the opposite. You actually want a red coordinate in some cases so that he can slow down. You know, that's that's helpful. Having tac Officer just gives you the choice. Um, but the two points spent on tac Officer are not necessary.
0: So, one of the... Uh, I do have a comment about this. One of the matches that I went up in Toronto, it was almost a mirror match, but he would his shuttle would be coordinating the Reaper, his Reaper to coordinate back to him to basically make sure that the Reaper always had a stress. So he didn't have to ailerons. Right. So it was
2: interesting to see that being done. Yeah. And like, this is, this is, we'll get into this in a moment. How to like, fly the Reaper and, and some of the tricks. But this is a fundamental one, right? Which is that I think, uh, you know, with the Striker, I'm always trying to stay on the move and set up very specific angles that let me do a hard one turn, right? After a bank, instead of a K turn or a sleep so I can get my focus token. With the Reaper, you don't have access to that hard one turn. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's more important to sort of measure the speed of your engagement, which is very difficult to do on a medium base. Anything that helps you stress, like you described, is going to get you there. Um, the other thing, though, to mention, right, is you can use some of the red maneuvers on the dial before the engagement. You don't have to coordinate to stress, right? Just the turn before, do a red hard turn. Like That that also works, and it gets you a very similar place. Sure. Um, what about ISP slicers? So, like, I use jam, the jam action on these reapers quite a bit, actually. I find it extremely useful because they get in there, they get into the mix, and no one expects you to jam.
0: Right. Um, um, so here's my comment about ISP slicers: is usually, you never have a instance where the jam token is even put down, or if it when it is put down, it's almost always cleared right away. So I'm, if ISP slicers maybe like put two jam tokens or something like that, it might have been a little bit better. But I think every instance I see, that token is never there by the end of the round. I mean, every once in a while when a crazy reposition happens, sure, but I, I don't see it
2: often. That's fair, right? The one thing I would mention with this particular crew is just that like people running the Reaper tend to underutilize the jam action, so separate from even Slicers, right? Like jam is relevant i think you're you're probably spot on that when you do spend the jam action you're doing it to clear a token yeah like you didn't do it for fun at the end of the rounds but this this might there maybe there's a way to really get some value out of this uh, i i just i haven't tested it very much and I, I don't know the specific game situation where you know i'd, I'd want to spend those points sure it's, it's hard to say and then krennic um I don't know when this will become useful, but the, the, the card itself has too many conditions on it to really be worthwhile. Um, it adds the target lock, which is nice, but like I was talking about before, just taking the focus action and then shooting in the turn order such that it procs Vermeil's ability is enough. You, you don't really need a target lock action with Vermeil in particular. Uh, you know, the credit card, the rest of it, allowing you to flip cards and you know flip crits, essentially, and chip shields, um, it's, it's, it's not something that I think should see play at this stage. Yeah. And then informant, uh, informant is more valuable the more you can adjust your dial after the things that you learn. So advanced ailerons lets you do that. Unfortunately with the Reaper, usually when you're dialing in a maneuver, you kind of know where you want your ailerons to go. Um, just because of how goofy it is, like you have to plan that far ahead. It's not like a striker where you can start of dial casual on the advanced ailerons. Uh, but informant is still really useful, particularly with a ship that's sort of constantly nearby stuff. Sure. Uh, and then mod hull and shield upgrade. Like these things die really fast. Investing a hull or a shield upgrade is definitely advised. Um, particularly like if you have the room and, and you can put a shield upgrade on there to avoid that early game crit. Do it. Um, it's it's very useful. Sure. It's Worth the points for sure. Absolutely. Alright, uh, let's go into the dial a little
0: bit then. Uh, one of the things I do want to mention about this though is so you have the advanced ailerons which moving at PS4 you're probably moving in some matches above some other things. And having like that information to be able to do some of the crazy things that this thing can do is very useful. Like, uh, Alright, so you do the one bank and then the one sloop. Like the only other ship that can do that in the game is the... uh, Do the strikers have one sloop?
2: Well, so anything anything with advanced sensors, anything with supernatural, and the striker. Right, Right. but what I'm saying, so the end
0: position of your sloop, though, is at basically doing, like, a turn where when you do this uh, with the ailerons, I'm sorry. So if you do the ailerons... You do the one bank ailerons and then you do the sloop. So you're at a basically 90 degree turn. So I think like the strikers can do it. And then if you're ever going to fly IG-88D, you can do it that way too. But uh, it's a completely different maneuver that's not even in the game. So it's really interesting to see things like that happen and throw people a little bit off guard. Like that you're doing a sloop, but at the same time, you're basically doing a turn and then rotating your ship. Right.
2: It, I, I I've done that quite a bit with Guri, um, but yeah, it's 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 something that I think the more I've run the Reaper, right, the more comfortable I've gotten with sort of the cycle of engaging and like what I was talking about before with where the Strikers and actively trying to avoid the sloop turn constantly, right? With this thing, it's actually maybe a fundamental part of the way that you approach, right? Because you kind of want to come in on an angle that you're not going to get bumped completely. Because if you get bumped, the aileron doesn't typically clear, right, and then you don't have access to the sloop at all, and it forces that sort of like three bank disengage, you know, mm-hmm. and then and then you have to kind of cycle back and then do the loop after that or circle in. It's it's really powerful. Um, do you find yourself using the red stop a lot? Um.
0: Yes, I do. <laughs> and it, it, I usually I use it a lot when I know I need to engage on something and. I know the ailerons might make me bump or put me in a spot that I don't want to be. So I I do use it every once in a while. Just for that fact.
2: I find that it's really surprising to catch people on the bump, right? Like, like people should be thinking about it if they're playing against Reaper, that it's on the dial. Right. But for some reason, they kind of don't. You just do, like, the one forward and red stop. It's like in the mid-game, they've kind of gotten used to the cycle of you boosting and then moving. Right. Then that one turn you don't, it's like, oh,
0: gotcha. Yep. You know? Yeah, especially, like, I mean, like, if you know you need to be in a certain position, you can always, I mean, granted, you're denying yourself the mod, but at the same time, if you have something like a Force user on there, like Vader, uh, it's worth it just to make sure you have that shot or if you need to try to uh, block up a lane or anything like that, it's definitely def- useful.
2: Yeah. Yeah so i people have talked at length about how this is one of the more difficult ships in the game to fly some of the stuff to help out we already talked about red coordinate red stop use your red turns to slow down before the engagement self-bumping with your own ships is also really important i know that's something that you do um that's a part of the game an aspect of the game that maybe newer players don't see very clearly right it takes some time to get used to that Uh, but it's not just about self-bumping your ship like during turn zero right it's more complicated than that. Like there's, There are points in the mid-game, or even pre-engagement or during the engagement, where self-bumping becomes really critical with ships like this. Um, particularly if you can like force a self-bump on something that's going to move and get out of your way before you want to do your ailerons. All those kinds of things. Uh, but even self-bumping in such a way that it, it denies the ailerons so you can do a three-forward or whatever. Um, all, all of that kind of plays into how you move this ship. That, all that being said... It doesn't save you from flying into the rocks like an idiot, right? <laughs> like you need to you need to be really careful about what section of the board you're going to go set, you know Vermeil uh, you know on on a trajectory to kind of be in that space for the rest of the game. Because if you go right into the rocks, even though you can advance ailerons, then move right, and still get your action. That medium base is way less elegant than a striker, right? Like you're just going to hit a bunch of rocks and losing one HP on Vermeil is a big deal. Yeah, um, like you're not like every hit point is precious with these ships because they they do die very quickly. Absolutely, yeah.
0: But like I just going on that, like with the ailerons, like sometimes you do just need to go over that rock, and like you can kind of angle it, or if you need know you're going to hit the rock, like make sure your ailerons are you're hitting the rock in a spot that you your maneuver won't be hitting the
2: rock, so right you can just sometimes breeze right over it. I've seen people taking Death Troopers on Vermil a lot recently, and they oh, yeah. all tend to take Debris, right? And so, like, I, I definitely believe in Death Troopers as a card. I think it's very, very good in hyperspace, particularly with A-Wings that are out there. Um, but the, 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 like, obstacle choice becomes interesting because you can use the Debris to slow down, right? And you can use the Debris to trigger Death Troopers. Uh, but at the same time, I always feel bad about bringing Debris because I want people to have that turn they really question what they're what they're doing because of the rock sure uh, what, what what did you bring did you bring rocks or, or debris
0: i brought rocks
2: okay well you had
0: collision detector right so you yeah might as well. right 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 so yeah i brought the rocks um mostly collision detector never, in for my case, case. Our listeners, right not yeah. not for me
2: right yeah, yeah I, uh, I had collision detector on
0: whisper
2: okay and then, I, so the only other thing about kind of moving slowly or setting up the engagement that you want—I um, know this is like really simple—but players don't tend to move along any board edge as often as they should, right? This is like a general X-wing tip, right? If you want to move along your board edge and sort of hide behind rocks, waiting for your opponent to come to you because you have some advantage about that, do that. But if you also just stick to a particular side of the ro- of, of the board a little bit longer um like just you always have that turn where you feel like you need to turn in because your opponent turned in right and you need to start setting up for whatever it is that you're trying to do generally speaking you don't like just be patient and stick to your side of the board and then you know these these reapers are so fast that that turn that you felt like you needed to turn in is just an aileron's three bank right and you're engaging way before your opponent expected um so that's like same thing plays out with the U Wings, right? Like the U Wings can just hug the side of the board. The Reapers are able to flank up, you know, the long edge uh, a lot faster than people expect. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, that was one of the things I wanted to say is like how fast these things go. Like, they could be on one side of the board, and then before you know it, within a turn or two, they are
2: right in your face. Right. Like, they switch between being a possible flanker that your opponent has to think about. Like, if your opponent leaves for a meal out there flanking you, like Vermil's, Vermil's coming, right? <laughs> and he's he's usually pretty pissed when he arrives, right? Like he's going to do damage. So like it can kind of very quickly transition from being that flanking ship to just smashing in and doing way more damage than, you know, yeah, than, yeah. than they want to have happen. Um, I, but it's tough because it's not really a flanker at the same time. Like if you go into the engagement, assuming you're going to set up a flank with one of these Reapers, that's hard. Yeah. Um, they're it's it. They're not easy ships to fly from that perspective.
0: So like on the vice versa though, I mean if you have one of these ships and you know there are maybe like one or two damage left on it, these things are out of there. Like you're going to be chasing it and you're not going to be able to catch it. Like you could point toward if you need it. Like if you know that you need those few extra points to save. Um, it's at half points, but you know everything else could potentially be in your favor this thing will get out of there when it needs to. And it might be able to bait away ships from, with your enemy. But at the same time, like it just won't be getting shots.
2: Um, it, it depends on how much time's left in the game. Sure. Right? Sure. Absolutely. Because, like yeah. it, you will get caught eventually and you'll die, but yeah, you're right. I mean, they're fast enough that they can sort of disengage. Right. And that, that's awesome. Um, and then on the flip side, they can also stay close and keep rocking death troopers forever. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, the one interesting thing is watching aces players and i I actually been on the other side of this but like a lot of times an ace player will be going up against the reaper and like attempt to disengage by flying away and like if if you're running away from the reaper the reaper's going to catch you sure um but just something like if you're running kylo right and you for whatever reason need to fully disengage you might not be able to yeah so a a couple of things on the list here that are just fun to point out the um the crit damage something to be aware of loose stabilizer is a really serious problem because you will take um damage from the aa on a loose stabilizer crit so (laughs) like you you don't necessarily need to practice for that scenario but if if you're in that scenario it does really change how you have to use yeah
0: i didn't even think about that
2: it's brutal it's happened to me a couple times and it's just like it just ends the game um it doesn't totally end the game, but it just it turns you into this, like, thing that wants to K-turn but can't. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, on top of that, the coordinate action, we talked about Jam already, but the coordinate action, like, I, I don't know how to describe this, but Imperials in general are sort of starved for, you know, the option to coordinate, particularly the TIE Advanced. So if you have a TIE Advanced that's not Vader and doesn't just have built-in white PTL and all the nonsense that Force Charges bring, coordinate's a huge deal. Uh, particularly on something like Merrick or the I-4 advance that can adjust its speed. I forget the name of that one. Um, but it really does turn that target lock action that the TIE advance takes into something significantly more useful. Because you don't die on that initial engage if you have a focus token. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, so like, there are all kinds of like uh, mixed imperialists now that fit with the Reaper. And, you know, if you really make good use of that coordinate action, you can really... Vermeil doesn't need to take an action. He wants to take the focus, but he doesn't have to, depending on when he's shooting.
0: Right. All right. Um, one of the things that uh, are just... So, if you are thinking about, if you haven't flown the Reaper yet, if you are thinking about picking one up, that is, like, one of the most fun ships you can actually fly in the game. Like... Just seeing all like the different like like just just my personal opinion on it like you there's no other ship in the game really or besides the Strikers. Do you like, understand why I fly Strikers? Oh yeah, right absolutely. Now. They're, they're just—it's like, all I want to fly. It's <laughs> so much fun. Just like the maneuvers that they can do, like doing like the one bank left and then the left turn. Like it, it's crazy. Like you have so many options. You, it, it's like almost like playing an advanced ailerons with a boost and doing the maneuver install it's so much fun but it's at the same time doesn't feel as bad so but yeah i i love the reaper so much like any imperialist that i plan on flying
2: i'm throwing this at probably the first thing and like but that what you're saying there right like people should also be running the name strikers because it's, it's the same thing going on and I've, I've talked at length about like you know kind of not liking the cost on the generic strikers i think they're in comparison to some of the other stuff, ridiculously high. Yeah. But at the same time, they might actually be correct because advanced ailerons in a game where FFG is you know nerfing trips along because they want to put an emphasis on maneuvers, advanced ailerons is extraordinarily powerful. Like whatever the point cost on that is, like it's it has to be significant because right. of how how much advantage that gives you, um, and it's super fun.
0: It's so. so much fun. Just put it on a casual night, and like you'll you'll be hooked. Like just being able to do all these crazy things, yeah, it's right?
2: So and fun. like and don't believe anyone who says like oh you like these things are so hard to fly. Like they're harder to fly, but it's just a boost. It gives you more options, not less. Like that doesn't necessarily make it harder. It makes it easier. Right. You uh, get the hang of it. Yeah, for sure. And like like even the strikers too. Like people look at strikers doing well and think it's some kind of mad science. It's not. It's 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 a boost and then a maneuver, you know. you have to physically move the stuff more. Like the Reaper, it takes a little tiny bit more planning. The Strikers take more planning, but that there's a payoff to all that. Sure. Cool.
0: Um, all right. Anything else before the Reaper? Before we close out.
2: I, well, So for this week, I think we should post the show notes, sure. because there's yeah, some yeah. helpful images in here. But I did include at the end of the show notes a whole bunch of images that should help people kind of visualize how the Reaper moves. I tried to put it in context of things that they're used to. So like as an example, if you take a barrel roll with a medium base and then do a certain speed maneuver, there's like you can kind of visualize where the one bank, three bank will end up. All these kinds of things. So I'm not going to go through that, of course, in the cast, because it's it's impossible to describe. But I would encourage people to go take a look at that. Sure. Absolutely. Jonathan, you still with us?
3: I am still here. Have you ever flown a Reaper? I no, actually I actually have not. What was the last time you flew something other than Rebels? Um, let me think. Uh you know, actually I flew Double Punisher Whisper when uh, When I got like the conversion the f- kits. F- when second edition first came out, I did playing <laughs> yeah. like the Punishers a lot. Actually, uh, nice.
2: No, so you actually know how Advanced Ailerons works, right? Because you run Death Rain or Advanced Sensors Redline, or right? You you mm-hmm. maybe have run Sabine, who mm-hmm. also has ailerons. So, yeah. like that's what I was saying. we like the Reaper isn't something so crazy different than things that people have used. It.
3: Or like uh, compared to like Supernatural or uh, BB8,
2: yeah. Yeah. yeah, but like just that if if you've run Death Rain or, or Redline, you know what um, what some of this looks like.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: All right, then uh, I am going to close this out. Uh, quick reminder: we actually just oh. launched. Oh, go ahead.
3: Oh yeah, so before uh, I just want to say, so the winner of uh, the top fifty invitational was Phil Horny, Phil Horny. or Phildo.
2: Okay. Oh, perfect. Okay, yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. He basically took his one list and just dominated. That's awesome. Good for him. <laughs> All
0: right, um, so with, we did open up registration for the Red Caps Hyperspace Trial. I will post that in our notes, uh, the registration link that you can that you can register for it. I'm sorry. Uh, it's $25. bucks. we are going to be doing a second event on Sunday if you are coming out of town or if you want to play just a bunch of X-Wing, didn't make the cut or something like that. We're going to be doing a second event on Sunday. We have to work out the details for that, though. Um, but we will be starting at 10 a.m. I know this is a little bit out and one of the things that they're letting us do is making a BYOB, which is kind of new to Red Caps, but they're letting us do it. So you can, uh, come, I know Cooper's excited for it. I know a lot of people, it's going to be a fun time. Uh, if we get enough people, we'll probably be buying lunch for everyone as well. So I will make sure that gets out there. Um... How many people were we expecting? Like,
2: like upwards of seventy,
0: or we are. So, if we, we capped it at sixty four, but if we start getting close to the like limit, we can rent out the hall next door to
2: like provide even more space. That's gonna be so much fun. I, I'm so glad that this kind of whole season starting up. It's gonna be yeah. really good. It's going to be a fun time, so we're
0: going to try to like, and it's on May the 4th, so we're going to have extra prize support, probably a bunch of different promos to give out, so make sure you register that for that so we can try to get a general detail of how much space we need and how much we're going to actually have to organize for this. Um, other than that, I think that's it. If you're a fan of the show, you can join us on Patreon.com, where we're working on our next alt arts right now to send out and some new tokens to send out, so keep an eye out for that. And I think that's about it for the show. Any last-second shout-outs? And just a quick reminder that the Season
2: 2 kind of Liberty Vassal League will be going up soon. So any listeners who want to join in on that, we'll figure out a way to
3: to
0: get the sign uh, Post it to our Facebook, I'm sure, and uh, you know we'll keep you posted through the show. All right, guys, I think that does it for tonight. Uh, Thank you for listening, and have a great night.